<laughs> you know what? It's good to have somebody listening too, isn't it? God bless them. Matthew chapter 26. This won't be long, but we'll get there. Um, and I'll look at verse 26, if you will, please. And we're going to read God's holy word together. That's why I'm asking you to stand, because I do believe it is a good thing for us to stand in honor of the reading of his word, because as, again, I've often said a little tongue-in-cheek, but not that much. Everything else you hear after this might not be any good, but uh, God's word is solid. And we trust him, and we trust that his word is indeed the inspired, holy word of God. This is him speaking to us. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 29. And God's word says this to us. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Will you pray with me? Father, again we thank you. Again we ask you to be with us and to show your glory. And we would ask you to help us to honor you this day. (laughs) Lord, you're good. And we ask you to show us your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Um, What I want to share with you this morning is actually something I shared recently with the church that we just left behind. We left behind dear, dear friends. We'll miss them greatly, but we are so looking forward to our time with you and building new time in a new church family. But we um, had a communion Sunday, and uh, there we would do it about every two months. So uh, as we were arriving on a Sunday when we will also celebrate Lord's Supper, we thought this would be a great way to, um, well, maximize resources and study God's Word together. Uh, You've heard it said before that a picture is worth what? A thousand words, right? And that's true because sometimes words are not really enough to help somebody grasp the significance of a thought. And sometimes pictures or drama really help somebody to get hold of what needs to be said. And one of the most dramatic moments in the New Testament is what we just read in Matthew chapter 26. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he used words and smells and tastes and touch to communicate something profound to his followers. You see, Jesus' body was about to be abused, and his blood was about to be poured out. He was about to lay down his life to bring a sinful people into right relationship with God. And I'm guessing that this idea is not at all new to you. You know how Jesus used the bread that he broke to symbolize his body, and you know how he used the cup to symbolize his shed blood. But did you know that in the setting of the meal and in the words that Jesus chose, he's bringing to mind other pictures too. This morning, if God will allow us, we're going to participate in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And it's a glorious and it's a sacred time in the life of any church because as we get ready to participate in the ceremony, we're going to be in a very real way 
fellowshipping with one another, honoring Christ, worshiping Christ, really entering the presence of God in a, in a unique, lovely way. And as we get ready to participate in this ceremony, maybe it would be good for us not only to think about the bread and the wine, but to think about the other images that Jesus draws on, that he uses to teach his disciples about his mission. And so this morning, let's look at three different Old Testament pictures that if we get them in focus, they'll help us to better grasp the glory of what we will celebrate here at the end of the service. Now, the first picture we're going to look at is the picture of Passover. And I'm going to have you turn in the Old Testament to the book of Exodus. Now, we read Jesus say in Matthew, now at, or, or Matthew actually says, now as they were eating. And the first picture that God would have us bring to mind as we think about the Lord's Supper is the picture that was all around Jesus during the time when he put the ceremony into practice. Matthew said that Jesus did this as the disciples were eating, but it was no ordinary meal that the disciples were sharing together. The disciples were celebrating the Jewish Passover, one of the most sacred Jewish feasts. So look at Exodus 12, and we're going to start at verse 3. Exodus chapter 12, starting at verse 3. We'll remember the Passover together. The Bible says in Exodus 12, starting at verse 3, Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb, according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lentil of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts, and you shall let none of it remain until morning." Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord the blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. So, God commanded the Israelites in the Old Testament time to keep the Passover. This was at the time that he led the nation out of Egypt. And remember, the people of God had been abused and enslaved by the Egyptians. 
And God used his mighty power to rescue his people. And the very first Passover meal was part of that rescue. Now, the people were to prepare a big meal in a very specific way. They were to do everything in a hurry because God was going to tell them to leave Egypt that very night. And and the people who ate the meal, they were supposed to be dressed like they were ready to get up and run. And what most Christians remember, of course, is the Passover lamb. Each household was to take a spotless lamb. And they were to slaughter it. And they were to prepare it for the meal. And they were to take the blood of that lamb. And they were to sort of paint some of that blood on the door frames of the houses. And that night, God was going to send an angel into Egypt. And every house that had the blood of a Passover lamb on its doorframe, the angel would skip it. He would pass over it. And every house that had no such mark on the door, the angel would enter into that home and kill the firstborn child. Thus, it was to the sound of wailing Egyptian parents that God led his people out of the land of Egypt. Well, hundreds of years after that first Passover, Jesus, the Son of God, celebrated this meal with his disciples. And the fact that Jesus instituted a new ceremonial meal during this one is something that God wants his children to see and to learn from. In a very real sense, Jesus is a Passover lamb. As the lamb of the household was slaughtered, so Jesus would soon have his blood drained from his body. As the blood of that lamb protected the people from death at the hands of God, so the blood of Jesus Christ protects the children of God from God's own wrath. Yes, Jesus wants us to see the Passover in the work that he did on the cross. And he wants us to remember it in the Lord's Supper. But that's not the only picture. The covenant meal is another one. Turn now to Exodus 19. We'll look at that and then we'll look at 24 together, I believe. The passage we read earlier said this. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, listen to this, drink of it all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant. We'll just stop right there. Now, Jesus at the meal, it wasn't just a Passover meal. He he pointed to his blood, which he symbolized by the wine in the cup. And it's interesting that he called the blood there the blood of the covenant. That language is not appropriate for the Passover celebration. Why? Why is that language not appropriate for the Passover celebration? Because the Passover was not a covenant-making event. The concept of the blood of the covenant comes out in God's covenant that was ratified between God and His people at Mount Sinai. And 
It was after God had led them out of Egypt, after the Passover, after them going through the Red Sea, after they reached the base of Mount Sinai, while there... God proposed a special covenant relationship between himself and the people of Israel. Exodus 19, verses 1 through 8 says this. On the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, first time, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. Now, that passage was followed up by God giving the people the official terms of the covenant that he was making with them as a nation. You all know what we call the terms of the covenant that God was making with Israel as a nation, right? The contract they signed. It happens in the next chapter. Look at chapter 20. What's the heading? The Ten Commandments, right? That, that's, the, that's the terms. That's what they agreed to. God says, if you want to be my people and you want me to be your God, here's what you do. And 20, 21, 22 of Exodus, 23 of Exodus, God is just pouring out the covenant terms. In that time, you see, it was customary for the parties who entered into an official covenant to, to agree on the terms, and then they would have an official ceremony where they would ratify the terms of their agreement. And that happens a few chapters later. In Exodus chapter 24, look at verse 1. Go to 24, look at verse 1. Every sermon won't have you flipping this much, but this is special. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord, and all the rules, and all the people answered, second time, with one voice, and said, all the words the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men and the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he threw against the altar. And then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, third time, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And we will be obedient. 
And Moses took the blood, threw it on the people, and said, Behold, are you watching? Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, this is so cool, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heavens for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God. What else did they do? And ate and drank. See, after God gave the people the law, and they all keep agreeing, oh, we promise we'll follow God. Really, we will. Really, really, really. Moses sacrifices to the Lord and puts the blood of those animals, blood Moses called the blood of the covenant, on the people and on the sacred items. And that blood initiated the people into their special relationship with God. And then the leaders of the people go up the mountain, they sit down, and they eat a covenant ratifying meal in the presence of God. And Jesus, Jesus uses that language. And he wants his disciples to think about this covenant ratifying ceremony in the Lord's Supper. With the picture of the broken body and shed blood, we're supposed to see that Jesus was doing everything that was necessary to make a covenant between God and God's followers. The Lord's Supper should help you remember that if you are God's child through faith in Christ, you have a brand new legal relationship with God that calls you God's child and it allows you to call Him your God. And the Lord's Supper being set in a meal is a way for us to celebrate our own covenant-ratifying meal. Just as the 70 elders of Israel ate and drank in the presence of God, so we who know Jesus are allowed to eat and drink in the presence of God right here today. God is with us as we celebrate this sacred ceremony. God is just as much with us this morning as He was with the elders of Israel who ate in His presence on the mountain. I would love for that to be a new point this morning, but we got that earlier from Sinclair Ferguson, right? The Lord God indwells His people. And so when we eat and we drink, we're just like those elders, sitting on the mountain, seeing the Lord, dining in His presence, and saying, yes, you are our God, and we wish to be your people. Christians, When you celebrate Lord's Supper, remember you are now part of God's covenant people. God has promised you that you are His children. He has promised you His presence. He has promised you the benefits of His kingdom. Eat and drink in such a way as if to say, Yes, God, I am happy to call you my God. And I am happy to be your servant. And realize that as you eat and drink, you eat and drink in a very special way in the presence of God. And finally, the sin offering. Turn to Isaiah 53 to find this. 
That may sound strange to you, but it'll make sense in a moment. The passage in Matthew, which I'll read as you flip, says this. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples, and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So, one more picture from Jesus before we celebrate Lord's Supper together. Why is the blood of the covenant poured out according to what Jesus said in Matthew? Jesus said his blood was to be poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, think back to the Passover for a second. The Passover lamb was a substitute for the lives of the people. But the lamb was not an offering for sin. Neither was the blood of the covenant an offering for sins. There was nothing about sin offering in that. So when Jesus said that his blood would be poured out for the forgiveness of sins, there has to be another picture in view. And of course we know throughout the books of the law, Leviticus gives us clear pictures of people killing animals as sin offerings to God. And you can read verse after verse and and detail after detail of how the priests were supposed to kill an animal and sprinkle its blood in a certain way and, 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 and part the animal's body in a certain way and burn certain parts to atone for the sins of the people. But that's just it, if you think it through. Those were all animals, right? Those were, those were critters. But Jesus, a man, God in flesh, the Son of God, He says His blood will be poured out as an offering for sins. There must be a bigger picture in view, There must be something more than the Levitical laws that Jesus is trying to bring to the minds of his followers. And I believe it's in Isaiah chapter 53. Listen. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely, this person that nobody likes this person nobody's impressed by, this person that we think must be guilty somehow, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. We thought God was punishing him. 
But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away and as for his generation, his generation, is this guy going to have kids? Is there going to be a family? Is this line going to continue? As for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living. He dies. Stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked. He's going to be buried like a criminal. And with a rich man in his death. How do those two go together? Although He had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. How do you do that if you die? He shall prolong his days. He must live again. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. And he shall divide his spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. You already see it, don't you? This picture, the picture of the suffering servant, is the only Old Testament picture where we see a man give his life to atone for the guilt of others. And in this passage, a sinless man lays down his life and is crushed by God in order to bear the grief of others. He is wounded, but the wounds were deserved by others. He was pierced, but the piercing should have been felt by others. He dies, but he will live to see his own offspring. He was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. This Picture is the final image that you need to have in place in order to grasp the Lord's Supper. God's Son, the perfect suffering servant, gives up his life, sheds his blood to pay the penalty for the sins of wicked and evil people. People like me. People like you. Jesus would die, but he would return to life. And he would see his offspring. Who are his offspring? The redeemed children of God. Christians, can you see these three pictures in one? 
as you prepare for the Lord's Supper? Can you remember that Jesus died like a Passover lamb so that you wouldn't have to die eternally? Can you see that Jesus' blood inaugurates a new relationship between you and God and that only through Jesus' blood can you be made into a child of God? Can you see that as the blood of the covenant brought the elders into relationship with God and into the presence of God, so Jesus' blood is the only thing that can bring you into relationship with God and into the presence of God? Can you believe that as you eat the bread, And as you drink of the cup, that you indeed are in the presence of God. And Christians, can you see that the blood that you remember as you hold the cup is the blood that Jesus shed as a perfect sin offering? You needed something to make up for your guilt. You needed something that could pay the price for your sins. You needed something that could both satisfy the anger, the wrath of God, and make it possible for God to let you into His presence. That is what the blood of Jesus does as a perfect atoning sacrifice. Christians, as you get ready to hold in your hands the bread and the cup, remember Jesus. Remember His broken body. Remember His sacrifice on your behalf. Repent of your sin. Commit yourself again today to follow Him and serve Him. And I want to say that it's possible that you're with us here this morning without having given your life to Christ. Can I encourage you to hear what the Christians have heard this morning? Jesus died to protect us from the wrath of God that we deserve. And you can get under that protection. And you could become a child of God. Or you can face the wrath of God alone for your sins. So I call on us all to come to Jesus and find his mercy while there's still time. He will make you God's child if you will put your faith in him and his finished work. If you want to know more about that, come talk to me when this is all said and done. But for now, let's all bow together. And let's all prepare our hearts to remember the body and blood of the Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for the Savior. The Lord Jesus is indeed our Passover lamb. He's our covenant maker. He's our sacrifice for sins. And Lord, as we attempt to magnify you, we pray that you will be glorified in us. Help us this day. Help us this day. Lord Jesus, forgive us our sins and draw us close and receive our worship. And if anyone here for some reason has not yet trusted in you, would you enliven their heart and draw them to yourself that they might become your child this day. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 
Uh, I want to invite us, if I'm following my instructions correctly, that those of you on this side of the room, sorry, you guys got singled out. 